Not all programs are the same in all schools. There's different pathways, different streams. What's the right one for you as a student? What's the right one for your kid as a parent? Listen to this episode and we'll give you some insights. You're on. And we're live. Education Bros. Season 2. Episode 5. I get to host this one because 5 was my sports number. I don't know if you guys know that. Actually, the only reason I know that is because your Instagram account. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Which I just started. And my email. And uh, Adam, I'm guessing your your number was 9. Always, yeah. Because that's in your your email address as well. What about you, uh, Chris? What was your number? Um, four as a young age, because that was my mom's favorite number. Then I switched to 19, Stevie Eyes. Yeah, Stevie see, I would have said 19 yeah. if I got yeah. You know what's funny is four was my mom's number. And when I went to start playing junior hockey, when I got to the team that I went to, uh, the, the, the guy who was already wearing nine was a first rounder of the NHL. So I was like, I couldn't steal that from him. <laughs> so then I went to four. So it's, it's, it's funny that uh, I, I'm so old. When you said 19, I thought of Billy Durlego. <laughs> I probably don't even know who that is. But not I'm going to guess yours. 33? 33, because my, my dad, Stan, wore that in the uh, you know in the streets of Krakow, Poland, when he was playing wow. soccer. Really? I made that up. I, no. <laughs> I was like, 33 because of soccer number? No, thir- yeah, 33 because of... Uh, Patrick Waugh. But, but, but you can't actually wear 33. And what sport did you wear that in? Uh, football. Yes, your DB. DB, yeah. yeah. Uh, starting DB, guys. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I wore, yeah, I played basketball, uh, left bench. I wore 33. Oh, yeah, nice. Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, there used to be a day in soccer where the best, because you it's 11 players, that the starters wore numbers one through 11. So having number five was like, you know, a, a sweet number for soccer. But now guys wear numbers, you know, 60s, 70s, 90s. Yeah, like, in hey, soccer? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Numbers don't matter anymore. So I feel like uh, any good soccer player, they always say you want to wear number 10. Is that not true? Yeah, 10 or 7. But uh, it's definitely not as much as it, as uh, it used to okay. be for, for sure, which is why. They let me wear five at U of T, even though I was on the bench for five years. But I still got to wear, <laughs> still got to wear a pretty, uh, a pretty uh, sweet number. Uh, today, amazing. we're going to be looking at kind of student pathways, which is a really interesting topic that, you know, is a lot deeper than it kind of seems. And, you know, for those of you that don't know, education is like fashion. It like reinvents itself all the time, right? So if you got a pair of bell bottoms out there, keep them. They're coming back. Maybe they're <laughs> back already. I don't know. Um, but I always feel like there's these people, you know, at the Ministry of Education that get hired, and you're not going to get hired, you know, and go into a position and be like, "Yep, everything's fine. We'll just <laughs> yeah. keep things the way they are." Yeah. So people need to justify their positions and come up with different names for the same things that kind of right. cycle, right? And then you right. know when. You know, courses actually used to be called, uh, you know, uh, beginner, intermediate, and advanced. And they were like, well, we can't label my kid a beginner. And then it was like basic, I think. We're like, well, you can't label my son or daughter basic. And then I don't even know what it is now. Like now it's actually essential essential workplace, college stream, or university stream. And mixed, mixed if you're really. Yeah, mix. <laughs> yeah, mix is like a catch-all for everything in life, right? <laughs> yeah. If you're not sure, you're mixed. Um, 
And, you know, in my role as a co-op teacher, I just have these battles with parents who years down the road end up thanking me, but have this like, you know, little Johnny, you know, mom and dad went to university and think that little Johnny needs to go to university. Mm -hmm. Well, little Johnny wants to be an electrician and little Johnny can make $160,000 a year being an electrician. And he needs to be smart to be an electrician, but battling with these parents about, well, no, he's always taking university courses and he's going to university. And this one specific family I remember speaking to, like neither parent is actually doing anything to do with the university degree, but right. they're just saying mm -hmm. that they have a university degree, nothing with what they're doing now. And, you know, little Johnny, I'll call him, is actually an, elect an electrician now and loves it. And the parents are on board and so happy. Like it ended up working out so well, but it's almost like parents think that if you, the pathway is going that way, if you're switching from a university pathway to a college pathway, they almost feel as if you're like sitting them down, giving them bad news. Mm -hmm. But that's not the case at all. Like, you know, I don't know about you guys, but when I went to school, it was like, if you weren't smart enough to go to university, you would go to college, right? Flat out. Now it's the, I wouldn't say the complete opposite because there's obviously still a lot of value in the, in, in the university education, but the college programs are so hands-on. Um, they're so streamlined. They're so focused. They offer so much co-op, right? Essentially, which is w what I do. And, you know, have you guys ever had kind of those conversations with parents where the kid's just in the wrong class, they're in the wrong stream? Oh, uh, literally every year. Uh, even this year, um, I've, I've got uh, kids in my grade nine, grade nine class who are struggling in, uh, in academic and, um, <clears throat> you know, they should be more focused in applied where they see way more success. And to so be for all our fans that they're academic, academic, higher. Yeah. University. Yeah. And, um, yeah. And I know kids who would never need to know what a mitochondria is. They don't need to know the periodic tables for them. They just want to, you know, get through the two years of mandatory science and move on. But some parents insist you have to have that higher level, the academic course. You don't want to, you know, go to a quote unquote lower mm -hmm. uh, academic, uh, the applied stream was what we, uh, what we call it. And yeah, that's just, you know, and these kids, of course, uh, they're struggling now and, you know, they may, it may turn them off of science, may turn them off of school altogether. Well, it may right? turn them off, I was just going to say, it may turn them off of school altogether, which is exactly right. what you don't want because if you're in a classroom and you're just not getting the material and you're not engaged and you don't know what's going on, you're just trying to survive. You're hiding from the teacher. You're yeah. hiding from your parents even more like that. That ruins that whole educational experience completely. Whereas if you're in a program or a course or a level that's right for you, you can be re-engaged. And I think that's definitely the case with with a lot of students. Chris, um, I, I just I always think how do we get this information out to like the parents? I think my biggest challenge is when I teach some of those classes that are considered lower. I think back when I was in high school and some of my friends, I had friends at all kinds of levels. And I just remember you, the stigma that, it, that was around us. If we didn't, if we weren't in the university courses and the events courses, we were stupid. That's mm -hmm. was kind of the mentality. And I guess I had stupid friends, but those were some of my best friends. Yeah. And I look now and those friends, nobody has more work ethic than some of my friends. They never went beyond the, the, I guess it was not advanced basic with it, or the intermediate level or whatever. 
And those were the ones that were taking the auto mechanics course because, you know, the other core courses didn't want them there or something like that. And I'm thinking now how, how successful they are running businesses now. How do we get that message to parents and kids now that, okay, maybe some of these courses that you're, you're struggling with or you're not engaged in where, what path. And I know that's, we talk a lot about the co-op that gives them a direction to go in, but like, there is so much money to honestly, I'm mean, being honest guys. I love teaching, mm -hmm. but I also love learning. And if I know then what I know now, I'd probably be doing a trade because you guys know I'm always doing renovations and stuff because yeah. I love it. Mm -hmm. Never mind the money that's attached to it and, and the independence and the, and the um, being able to choose your hours and your jobs. There's so many benefits um, as I know a lot of friends are doing it now. Um, and don't get me wrong, I love education. Keep saying that, but uh, <laughs> I just think that wasn't available for me when I was younger because yeah. it was. I would have been. I felt ashamed if I wanted to right. do that, and that's really sad that some kids still feel today as they get into my applied history class in grade ten, and feel already they're a failure before they even get in. What? Well, you can be taking my you know academic courses. I'm basically teaching the same content, maybe a little slower, maybe a few less slides, but you're basically learning. We are. Yeah. So, what do you think separates you guys in the next class? The kids know what separates them, right? It's out of their confidence, their work ethic. Okay, so where do we go from here? So, like, it's funny. I always tell teachers, and teachers struggle with those kids the most, the ones that really don't know their place, and they kind of got classroom management issues and um, our behavioral issues the kids do. And those, I know we all want those kids to sit in those chairs and put their hands up and do their homework. Yeah. <laughs> but what about the kid that's in front of you? It's going to be your auto mechanic in 10 years and fix your car with a great yeah. price. How are we going to show them love? And know that send them in the right direction. So, but I think what's I think what's important, or one of the things that's important, is them knowing what like all the awesome opportunities that exist at all levels of edu of education. Like, I can't tell you how many kids, and I don't know if you guys have had this experience as well, but that go to university and they have no clue what they want to do, and yeah. they'll just take a general arts program, graduate with like a political science de degree, and then go to college afterwards. Yeah. Right. To get something more specific, a human resources certification or um, a project management certification or something that actually will lead to their future career. Like, yes, in university, you know, what you learn is that you have the ability to learn and that, you know, anyone can teach you anything pretty well anywhere after that. But there's so many opportunities in so many different areas. And I think it's important to let the kids know whatever stream they're in, that there's lots of opportunities. Not we, like we can't have a whole planet of lawyers and teachers and For engineers sure. and doctors like, you know, we need all of these other professions. And I think sometimes in school, do you guys feel like it's the teachers that put more pressure on the on the students, the students put it on themselves or it's the parents that are trying to figure out these streams that the students should be in? I mean, I think realistically, I see it from both perspectives. I see it from the perspective of the parents who grew up in the same generation that you guys are talking about, where you mm -hmm. felt a little bit of shame. So they kind of put that same stigma on their kids. Um, but I also see it from the perspective of like we're talking about here is that, um, and I'll be getting into that money and investments and wealth a lot more during quarantine. And the top 1% earners in the world aren't the teachers and the lawyers and the doctors, They're the people that own their own business. Yeah. And yeah. so, and a lot of those people hate school. Some of my, like my most successful friends, like Chris was saying, didn't do well in school. They're not great learners there. And we shouldn't like have that stigma on them for, you know, 
they they want to learn more with their hands or do things and they're always like I, you, we all have those kids there might be in our lower level classes we call it but we always know that kid's going to be okay that kid is going to figure it out when he gets to the real world because he's got a work ethic or he has his personality that's going to you know lend himself the problem with a lot of kids that end up going to university is they get so caught up and basically they turn out to be like us they're middle class pay the highest taxes and just kind of you know, do the nine to five and almost live like a little bit of a boring life. And so it, I'm trying to even push on kids in all levels of my class, not just my lower levels and my higher levels. You guys, just because you get 90% doesn't mean you have to go to university and academic or university level classes. Yeah. Just because you're amazing here doesn't mean you should try. And like, I'm a big, like Gary V. You guys know who Gary V is? No. Gary no. V is like a really big um, entrepreneurial kind of guy he's all over social media and he's always posting really great content and it's basically about that try from the ages of 18 to 25 to fail try something new live in an apartment with six people your six best friends downtown and try new things and like you know maybe your parents are, are, are like don't do exactly what your parents want to do on the other hand sometimes I get kids in a grade nine class who are in a lower level class that are not motivated, they should be at the higher level class as yeah. well. So I see it from the other perspective where kids need to get motivated by being around kids that are more and more motivated. Some kids, you know, get kind of lost in the other way where they're like, do you guys know what I'm saying with that? Well, I, I know exactly mm -hmm. what you're saying. And I was actually going to bring up going the other way. Yeah. One of the stories we're going to post on our Instagram this week is about my cousin and she had an IEP, which is basically an individual education plan. So it's a it's a learning plan. So there's some accommodations kind of built into her education. And she always had this dream to be a teacher and was told the opposite. No, you can't do it. Um, you don't have the skills. It takes you too long to get tasks done and so forth. And she took it the other way. Oh, if you tell me I can't do something, I'm going to prove you wrong. Right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And she's actually in a teacher uh, she's a teacher in our board right right now and, and actually just sent us a really nice message about, um, you know, how awesome she thought she was. And she's been binge binge listening. And I think of her and I'm like, yeah, this is the teacher that this podcast is for. Yeah. Right? And it's exactly. important to have teacher, people that become teachers that are like that. And like Chris had that kind of weird route to becoming a teacher because too often teachers and like, you know, I think all of our situations where we are great in school, we, you know, go to you know, university for four years, we go to teacher's college and we're right into teaching and we never get out of it. And, you know, we, yeah, we love it, but we need more teachers that struggle in school, uh, second, second, third, fourth profession, because it gives the kids that perspective of, okay, you know what? I wasn't a great student, but I was able to do this, this, and this. And then I got into education with all this experience. Right. Yeah. So one of the things that I struggled with uh, admittedly, when I first got into teaching, I was a student that was self-motivated. Yes. I, I always did my homework. I always went to class. So when I started teaching, I couldn't believe that kids <laughs> didn't care. They, I'm, like, I'm like, what do you mean you didn't do your homework? I, I just couldn't wrap. I couldn't empathize with those kind of kids. And it took me like a few years to realize that like, oh, not everybody not every kid values education it, it just like blew my mind yeah. like and how kids can like sleep in class i, I remember thinking i'm like this this can't like this can't be real right I so i yeah so i was i guess guilty of being that teacher that again i just went through university and went right into teachers college thinking that every kid would care about my class right and 
care about learning and you have to you learn very fast that that is like absolutely not the case and you have to adapt quick or you are in like big trouble right but i think another one of the issues too like when i went to high school high school was five years and um you couldn't even fast track if you if you wanted to and i know in the united states and most other countries it's always been four years but here it was always five and when i went in grade nine grade 10 grade 11 i didn't have a lot of pressure for what stream I wanted to go into. Like I was an English language learner, so I struggled initially. Like I wasn't even sure if I was gonna get into university or if that's something I wanted to do. But I felt like I had time to decide and kind of find my way. I feel with four years right now, puts pressure on kids early. And we wanna put them into these buckets so early that it's almost like in grade eight, you know, as my son is going to high school next year, they're gonna recommend which kind of stream or pathway he goes into already. And, you know, my daughter's in grade nine. She's already stressing about which university she's going to apply to. And that's not me as a parent putting pressure on them. That's them, I think, feeling the pressure of the system. Yeah. When you guys went to school, is it four years or five? It was five for me. Four, four for me. Four for you. So we could tell Adam's, Adam's the youngest well, in the room. It's, and to go back to your previous question, Paulo, about who do we, who mm -hmm. do we have to change the minds of? And I feel like I've had to change it's the parents' minds in both directions. So I've had to give the parents and their kids confidence to say, your kid should be up a level. Yeah. Hey, you know what? This You get it. You have a great work ethic. And I think you'll benefit from being around students who are uh, just have that more motivation in school. And I've also had the conversation with parents who are like, you're, it's doing no good with your kid being at a higher level. It's okay to go to a lower level and either be more hands-on or you know, have some get some more confidence in school by getting higher marks at a lower level. And I think I think it really is the parents and the kids, and just kind of find that nice balance of pushing them to the right spot or bringing them back to the spot they need to be at. Man, and we're gonna have these conversations soon, right? Because we are near the end of our like mini semester right now, right? And uh, I can I already identify, uh, you know, some students who I think should will find more success at a lower level. And that is like totally, totally okay, right? Right, and so let's talk about that because as of right now in Ontario, next year, every kid that does math is gonna be in the same classroom. Yeah. So is that good or bad? Because we're kind of, we're kind of saying it's good and bad right now, but do you think all one stream is a good idea or no? So personally, I remember when sorry, I was- Sorry, sorry to cut you off. Because yeah, right yeah. now, things like phys ed, all one stream. You're not like a, Things like yes. uh, our religion classes like in our Catholic yeah. school, all the kids are in the same places. And we've all taught those classes where, yeah. and we know this kind of struggles that might happen. But now talk about a class like math where it's more academic based. Sorry, and Joe. Yeah, so I, I, I distinctly remember being in grade nine. I was in uh, grade nine English and it was uh, what we'd call an open class. We had academic kids, kids who didn't really care about uh, school and they just wanted to goof around and Why I was it like that was that just like a was that a trial like we're it, about to do now for math? it was I, I I don't know why I was in grade nine I just I you know I had no idea what what, what okay. was going on but I do remember it was an open class and I absolutely hated it I I was an academic kid I wanted to mm -hmm. learn and I had like kids around me who were just like goofing off and some of them were my my friends, unfortunately. But I remember thinking, I can't wait to get into grade ten where I can be just academic or just with academic. And, it, yeah. and yeah, just because of the learning environment, I don't know whether it was like the teacher that the environment she set up 
or whatever. But I just remember I just couldn't wait to, you know, to learn. I couldn't. I, I was yeah, but this to... this leads us back to the question of of where does this come from? Yeah. Does it come right. from? Does it come from? There's this real need. Like, is it because we're labeling kids in grade nine too early, or is mm. it because someone has a job at the ministry and they needed to justify their their position again? Because exactly because once once again, this is going to affect my son who's going to high school next year, and my daughter is like like you were, Joe, and she's like, thank God that wasn't me. And, you know, I feel like he's going to be like a guinea pig almost in a Petri dish because we know as teachers, even within the levels, we still have a wide range of students, right? Even at the academic level, we have higher achievers and lower achievers. And already to try to get everyone on the same page, because you can't really move on to another concept until everyone grasps the previous concept. You're going to have those kids sitting at the front of the room that are going to grasp concepts right away and others that are going to struggle. And not only do I think it's going to be horrible for the kids what about the teacher mm-hmm. in there with this just huge range and i know they do it already in elementary school right where the teachers are already are already doing that and i know I, i'm kind of contradicting myself because at the start i was like you know maybe we shouldn't put these kids into these different kind of pathways i agree with the pathways i'm just saying there's always room to move within the pathways yeah. and i think that mm-hmm. high school affords you that opportunity to move as teachers get to know students, as students get to know teachers, and as parents get to see how their students or how their kids are doing in high school. But I think in grade nine, putting them all, especially in math and in academic, and you know, like math's one of those things too, where, you know, I know lots of kids that are very academic, but struggle in math. Right. Like math, is, yeah. math is like its own animal. And conversely, I know kids that maybe aren't that strong in other subjects, but love numbers and like numbers just kind of come naturally to them. So I think to put them all, like to lump them all in there is a, a, a huge mistake. But And to go back to your original point of how we just keep calling it something different. So it sounds like, Joe, they tried this with English. Call it how many years ago in high school? Oh, just a few years. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So a few years ago they tried English. They realized <laughs> it failed. Plus years. But someone yeah. now is saying, let's reinvent it. Let's try it with math. Yeah. It's eventually, we all know as teachers it's going to fail. We're, we're going to try it just maybe to keep. I don't know, public perception, or like you said, someone at the board says it's a good idea. We all know it's eventually going to fail. It might be one year, might be two years, might be three years, how long they go for, but it's it's not fair to the kids and it's not fair to the teachers who have to teach that because it's going to be a gong show. In things like phys ed, even when we do things that are academic or like, you know, like health curriculum, it's so frustrating sometimes because so many, like, like I couldn't imagine what it's going to be like in math because in health, like some kids get it, some kids don't. And it's such a wide range of kids you have in a phys ed class. And it's just like, I, I feel for the kids and I feel for um, the teachers who are going to teach that. What about the kids that when, when their time comes, so grade 12 has now come and they're going to graduate and they're not sure if they're going to go to college or university or go to work or, or whatever. And they take that, that gap year. So that year off to kind of figure it out. What experiences have you guys kind of either had personally or with friends or with uh, students is that something you'd recommend for students or do you think it depends on the person because I, I i have stories kind of right. both 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 ways but adam i think i think for me i i did that gap year because i was trying to get a scholarship for hockey so i took a year off after high school and i just played hockey and i worked at the local grocery store and by working during the day with all the full-timers who are older that actually gave me the motivation to say, I'm never not going to get my education. Mm-hmm. So, because mm-hmm. I saw 
one, it's a tough job and you get paid like shit. And it's like, um, I'm going to do everything in my power to make sure that I do something that I want to do and not get caught and just, you know, work at a grocery store the rest of my life. And again, that's an essential worker. where like very, I'm not going to yeah. put down at grocery store workers, but for me, that gap year was one of the best things that I could have ever done because it gave me the motivation. And I realized there, I'm like, I need to go back to school. And so I was able to kind of get like a little bit of a scholarship for like a Canadian university and do my hockey and that kind of stuff there. And it ended up working out where I needed that year off to, to learn about myself and learn what I really wanted to do. So it worked out for me. Yeah. But I've also seen students that, you know, take that year off to work at, um, you know, the Portuguese bakery mm -hmm. was the example of the particular student I'm thinking of um, and was capable of much more, but found herself making, you know, not much money, but money. Yeah. And that one year turned into two years before, you know, she gets a boyfriend, she's pregnant, has a family, and she's probably still working at that bakery. And she was capable of, of mm. a lot, a lot more. My buddies, one of my best friends who lives uh, in the States, his daughter took a gap year and she's here now actually in Canada. Uh, mm. She's in like a medicine program. Um, and, you know, for her, it was a great year for her to kind of find herself and to kind of refocus. So it's different for every kid. And yeah. I've had a lot of kids kind of ask me my opinion. It's a really tough one because I've seen like it can benefit some kids and, 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 and really hurt others. I think, I think the best advice to give to a kid like that is don't be short sighted. So whatever way that gap year goes for you, don't be short sighted. So the person that works at the Portuguese bakery and loves making the $15 an hour, don't be short sighted and realize you could get, you can make so much more. And then the other idea is, don't be short-sighted if you're not making money and not doing anything because those failures in life add up to a lot of great learning experiences. And actually, like, basically, you talk about anyone that's ever started a business. They failed right. four, five, six different businesses before they even got the one that made sense and made them a lot of money. So, you know, that that year off can be – just don't be short-sighted with that year off. That's my best piece of advice for any kid that's thinking about taking a year off after after high school. It's funny because for me, it was in university. Like I finished my four year degree and then I wasn't sure what I wanted to do. Mm -hmm. And I ended up doing an honor specialist in economics, which, you know, as I look back now, you know, maybe it bought me some time to play another year of soccer. Um, and, you know, it bought me some time to figure out the teaching was the right thing for me. But that extra year of learning didn't do anything for mm -hmm. me, really. Like, if anything, it cost me re retirement. I could have been gone sooner, right? right? Um, but that's but, okay, right? No, yeah. it's still it's yeah. still, it's still, still okay. Um, but I just remember feeling that pressure of what am I going to do? Like, I'm done university now, and I still don't know what I want to do. And we're putting pressure on these kids, you know, in grade 8 and grade 9, right? So I don't think we need to do that. And I, for any parents listening out there, you know, don't put the pressure on the kids. Let them kind of figure out what's right for them. And like another plug for my program too, is the beauty of co-op is kids are out there exploring a career, right. seeing if it's something that interests them, if it's what they thought it was going to be. Right. Like mm -hmm. I remember I had this one student who wanted to be a hairstylist. She was in the right stream, but just wasn't motivated, but then absolutely kicked ass at the hairstyling placement. And then I was like, well, that's awesome. But you know, you need a high school degree. And she's like, Oh, I'm going to get it for sure. And yeah, came yeah, back yeah. in her grade 12 right. year killed it right because she was in that workplace got to see you know what skills and the kind of what the workday was like and knew it was it was for her and gave her that motivation 
to finish, right? Yeah. Which was which is I think really really key. And I guess we've I guess the the, the hardest thing for me is because even last week we talked with Andrew about how if you need to go to NCAA and you want to be a sports person, I've pushed kids to go to that more academic stream just so that they can eventually realize that scholarship. So I think at the end of the day, Mm. our advice is that it depends on the kid, Yeah. right? And it depends on the kid and the motivation and what they have in goals in their life. And you don't want to close doors, but you don't want to lose, get them to lose motivation and be in the wrong stream either. So it's just like we said earlier, you can't paint them all with the same brush. Yeah. And even within the stream, you can't paint them all with the same brush at all. Yeah, exactly. Well, thanks for listening. Don't forget to follow us on uh, education.bros on Instagram. Uh, give us a like, send us your stories, reach out. We love to hear the impact we're having on people. So thanks so much. Peace out. out. <laughs>